Hello, Disruptors. Welcome to episode 11 of Faith Disrupted. Um, we're really excited because we have got another interview for you today, just in case you're getting sick of our voices. Um, <laughs> but this one's a really, a really great, thoughtful um, interview from someone that's very special to us. Um, it's Ursha's brother, Joe, who has some really excellent things to say um, and to contribute, especially as we're um, heading into the tail end of the same-sex marriage postal vote. Um, so we think you're going to find it really awesome. Um, but we thought we'd have a little chat um, as usual, just so that we don't lose touch with you guys and about what we've been doing. Um, so apparently I need to go first this time. Yes, you do. And <laughs> so um, it's school holidays, so most of my doings have been child-related. But um, I think I've mentioned in the past that I'm a little bit obsessed with the idea of going to Italy and eating mm. all the pasta. Yes. Are you eating so, pasta every day? Ooh. You're making oh, pasta. Um, you are, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I still remember that gnocchi you made when yes, I went around to your house about pumpkin. nine years ago. It was so good. Yeah, the pumpkin oh, one. Yes. How good is gnocchi? Mm. I'm hungry now. <laughs> anyway, um, the moral of the story is that I've been learning Italian on this really great app oh, called Duolingo. Cool. Um, yeah, so it's like it like gamifies it so that it, it leads you through <laughs> levels and you have to achieve things and um, yeah, it's just a really Aww. fun way of learning a language. And my hubby's actually learning French because he did French at high school, so he's using it to Brilliant. learn French, and I'm learning Italian. Okay. So we'll be set. Can you give us a, a phrase, Tim? Um, no, don't don't challenge me like that. <laughs> okay, what that. level are you up to already? What level? I don't know. Oh, I bet you do. Or something. If I you were an achiever like me, you'd know. Four <laughs> 4%, 4% proficient in Italian. <laughs> but it teaches you f- weird phrases at the start, like um, the turtle cannot read. I'm like, I'm what? not sure how what? useful that's going to be when I go to Italy. Wow. Oh, no. Do you have yeah. to pay more money to get the re- useful phrases? <laughs> no, it just comes later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I can say I would like a wine. Well, that's Ooh. important. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a number one. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so that's my recommendation. Get on it. That's so awesome. Great idea. Great idea. idea. How about you, Shell? Um, so it is school holidays, as you mentioned, and I'm actually on a holiday, which is unusual, oh, yeah. and I'm really enjoying it. So I am recommending going away for an actual break when you yes. can. <laughs> and what I'm especially enjoying, so we've got two young kids is we've gone away with three other families, all with kids the same age. And I recommend that because we all used to do holidays pre-kids, like let's go to South Australia and do the wineries in three different regions (laughs) or let's go to, you know, New York and San Fran for a two-month holiday uh, with friends. And that was always really fun. Um, but as everyone would, with kids would know, as soon as you go on holidays with kids, it's just worse not than normal holiday. life because yeah. Yeah. It's, not, it's worse than normal life That's because so you're in a different surrounds. They don't sleep. They, you know, you have to bring everything. You always forget stuff. Oh, so just why not bring other people who feel the same and you can share your war stories in the morning about how kids did not sleep. Um, and then you can start drinking from midday, if not early. Yes. So it's, it's Do you a have like order. a roster, a roster system of? Like who looks we, after the kids? Yeah, <laughs> well, tonight, tonight, ladies are going out, so we're doing tapas. Ladies' night. So, ladies' night. We brought the Thermomix with us because we drove. So, we just Thermomix. We've only been making cocktails in it. There's nothing else that the Thermomix <laughs> has been so used rude. for. <laughs> and they have a kids' club here. Like, literally, we have gone mm. from let's go to New York or wineries to the big four. Yeah. <laughs> Caravan Park, yeah. but it has a kids club and a cool pool. And so, yeah, we're set. So I, I really oh, do awesome. suggest going away with other people to make the experience um, actually fun. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. How about you, Ursh? I have been, well, I am on school holidays too, being a teacher, which is amazing. So I have been um, binge watching uh, American Crime, uh, The People versus O.J. Simpson. Mm. it is so good I think you guys would really love it so I even like if I didn't have school holidays to be able to sit down and binge watch it I would just be not wanting to put it down like you just want to well not put it down you know what I mean anyway it's on a screen not a book (laughs) 
but it's the performances are amazing. Um, oh, there's a few that are a bit dodgy, and I've read some reviews of like, oh, like John Travolta's in it, and I don't think he gets a good rap or Cuba Gooding Jr. plays OJ. But the other characters are, and just to go through the story, because I think we would have been like what 15, 16 when he was arrested, and I, I don't remember a lot of it. Like I remember mm. the craziness of the the riding on the freeway in America and, you know, little bits about Nicole, his wife, and the whole story. But it's just, it was crazy. And it became this circus, which became all about um, justice for black American people, which is so great that, you know, obviously, but it totally lost the thread of justice for the people that were killed. And he got off. I'd actually forgotten that. Like he Mm. got off, but then got arrested later. And so he's currently in jail, but due for release in October this year. So I'm just like, what must that even be like to, and I think this is one of many kind of, um, this is like a, what would you call it? A reenactment type, you know, thing of what happened. And it's crazy. It's so like, it's like a page turner book. Like you just, you don't Mm. want to stop. Mm. So I highly recommend that. How do you get that one? Is that on Netflix? It's Netflix, yeah, Netflix. Are they going to start paying us soon? Seriously. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. That sounds really so, good-ish. Yeah, I reckon you guys would love it. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Really on the list. Mm-hmm. I must also just chip in and say I've been watching Atypical based on your recommendation, Tam, ah. and I am really loving it. So yeah. Another great characters. Such good characters and only half yeah. an hour per episode. Easy to just have a little watch before, you know, sleep yeah. or breakfast or whatever. <laughs> yes, I need to go to the bathroom. I may be some time. Mm. Yay. But just just before we chat about the interview, can I just say well done, Ursh, on such a beautiful um, interview and just big thanks to Joe for being yeah, massive uh, thanks so to insightful Joe. and interesting. I laughed and I cried and I just want to say I heard that after we had done our podcast and so I think mm. I would really reflect a very different perspective. I think even just having heard that podcast, so um, wow. that interview, yeah. I really recommend that people – absorb it and I'm already telling everybody to keep an eye out for when it drops to, yeah. to listen because it was yeah, it so humanizes the whole thing doesn't it it does yeah. and and knowing and I think just particularly that Christian view of being in wanting to keep loving God and be in community and just finding that you're being mm-hmm. shafted at every point it's just such a yeah profound eye-opener so thank Indeed. you guys yeah yeah, yeah. so come and um well, have a listen to the interview first and then come and join us on Facebook and have a chat. You know, if you've got something to say, come and share. Mm. And don't forget to uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Our uh, downloads are growing and it's so exciting and our community is growing. It's, it's just really nice to hang out with all you guys and get some yeah. feedback. So yeah. do it and enjoy the interview. So good. Yay. Thanks, See ya. See you next time. Bye. Hello there, Faith Destructor podcast listeners. This is Ursula here, and tonight we are bringing you a very special interview with someone who I love dearly, one of my closest friends, in fact, and Mm. it's not Shalotam, it is my brother Joe. We are 18 months apart, and I think like most siblings, um, probably had a love-hate relationship while we were young, but as we've got older, uh, definitely have got closer, which is why I say he's definitely one of my best friends. And Likewise. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, Joe is an awesome and very accomplished person. Um, but I guess the reason uh, for this podcast interview is that uh, Joe is gay and we thought it would be really great to just bring back to the personal some of the big issues that are being put into people's faces and being discussed now, particularly in Australia, around um, marriage equality and bring it back down to grassroots levels. And so we hope that, um, yeah, you find this interview interesting and challenging and perhaps it might uh, help you to talk uh, with those in your world. Have I covered that well enough, Joe? Sure, yeah. <laughs> That's good. We're going to solve all your problems. <laughs> good luck with that. 
Um, all right, so maybe, Joe, you can just um, start by telling us, if you would, a little bit about your journey in coming out and when you knew and how you went on that kind of process. Well, one thing I can say for starters is that coming out is a process. It's not uh, an event. Mm. Um, it's constant, mm. especially if you're in an environment that, in an environment that um, assumes that everybody is heterosexual, which is every environment really. Yeah. Even environments that are very welcoming of uh, LGBT people. Um, there's still an assumption um, that everyone in the room or everyone who's listening is heterosexual. Mm. So, um, yeah, so coming out is a process and uh, you might need to lead me through this a little bit, but Mm. for me coming out began before I'd even accepted that I accepted my orientation as something I wanted, Mm. um, which is not necessarily a healthy way to come out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm all into honesty, um, and it has continued. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, any specific? So, I know that um, a few years ago you wrote a blog, a little bit about your journey, called the Red Book. Yeah, is that still available out there? It's not. I can put it back up there. Well, maybe just chat some uh, through some of those things. I guess that were pivotal moments for you yeah okay well um as your listeners may or may not know you and i grew up in the church our parents were and are um what would you call them pentecostal evangelical ministers both of them are Mm -hmm. so that was our environment growing up we also went to a, a christian school and a lot of our weekends was taken up with church or youth groups so very heavily in the same environment and that Christian denomination is quite insular. Mm. So that's so a lot of our friends and everybody were all in the same uh, culture or grew up in the same kind of culture. Um, and I guess like a heterosexual person, you mm-hmm. you discover that you're gay when you start to notice other people in a romantic way which is generally when your hormones come mm-hmm. around about year six, when you're about 12. Yeah, wow. Um, and now what did you want to know, coming out or the process of discovery? Yeah, so I guess so you're saying around 12 yep. you started to notice that, which must be quite confronting, like you say, Yep. Um, in the environment that we were in, let alone I mean, any environment. Yep. Um, and I think it's so fascinating because people – like you know i think to bring it back to like that grassroots level yep. it's like someone saying to me you know well just be a lesbian because i'm not attracted to women in yep. that way so for i would imagine in the environment you were in you possibly felt like you had to be heterosexual or that was the normal yep. or that was expected yep. but you couldn't make yourself be that no, and it's a long journey um, to realise that, especially mm. when you're in a culture that teaches you, yes, you can change, mm. um, yes, you must change, yes, you know, you may be going to hell if you don't, yeah. which was the viewpoint back when we were school age. It's probably not so much now. Um, you, you won't get a nice spot in heaven now. <laughs> and you have to make sure before your deathbed that you repent of being gay. But, oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, back then it was one straight ticket to hell. <laughs> Past go, um, and so you don't allow yourself to believe it about yourself, or um, mm. yeah. Look, the school that we went to—I don't know if you remember this—but the Salt Shakers were still around in those days. They're disbanded now. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, is what we were told from the chapel <laughs> platform, <laughs> surrounded by so our damaging. school friends. Um, look, yeah, and I mean, even my best um, good friends at school, mm. people that um, I had to. Um, get along with because I was stuck with them and you know for the next 12 years of my life but mm-hmm. around the lower levels of senior school 
you know, they would say things like, oh, I just wish we could kill all gay people, mm. shoot them in the head, wow. um, round them up, shoot them in the head. And these are the people you like to hang out with, not the ones <laughs> <laughs> who, yeah. who rub you up the wrong way. Yeah. So it's um, you, you get taught to um, split yourself off, really, mm. to not feel, to not uh, trust your own feelings. Because to feel, to acknowledge what's going on inside you is literally, it feels like uh, it's dangerous, mm. it could endanger you. Um, I remember some, uh, uh, what was she, an overseas student, um, I think she had a picture of two girls kissing or something in a school bag and she mm. was threatened with suspension by the... Yeah. School teachers. Wow. In my grade. Um, so, you know, yeah. Mm. That was the environment that we were in. Um, certainly, it was at the kind of churches we went to, it was on a level with murderers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this is what you're being told about yourself when you're 11, 12 years old, when wow. you're realizing who you are. Um, and, you know, you haven't done anything yet. Mm. So, you start to feel like you're in inherently dangerous, damaged, mm. unlovable mm. person. Yeah, from a young age. Stop um, it. You may be crying already. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that was uh, that was school. Um, by by the time I was getting out of school. Um, I was really involved in church still. Mm. Um, I wanted to be, I believe. You know, I had a, a strong faith and do still have a strong relationship with God. So mm. um, that was uh, the community that I wanted to be a part of. But my, I was actually my body was actually rebelling against it. I was getting mm. panic attacks when I'd come to church, and um, I. I knew that the gay thing was part of it, but I, you know, I didn't put it all together. Put it all together because mm. I still believed, you know, that I had to suppress and change that somehow. I'm mm. maybe a good woman. Mm. Oh, <laughs> that poor woman! That poor woman. Exactly. I knew that. I, I mean, I, I, by that stage, I knew that I, I couldn't do that. I mean, lots of uh, gay and lesbian people in kind of conservative or evangelical circles do try that mm. route. They think if I just marry someone um, and try hard enough, then mm. perhaps my orientation will change. So. so, yeah, I couldn't even be a part of the, the uh, community that I wanted to be a part of, mm. really. Um, and so if we're talking about coming out, I think I'd already come out to some people in church circles. I actually spoke about it during a communion or some sort of... Uh, <laughs> How did that go down? Oh, just wonderful, you know. Um, but I was a very open, honest person. Yeah. Uh, authenticity was always really important to me. Yeah. So um, I wanted that to be a... I mean, you can't... I couldn't split myself off anymore. So even if it wasn't what people around me would see as a a good or a godly part of my personality, I had to bring that into the light. So that was before I accepted any part of of it, though. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what helped you to start to accept it, not just realise it was part of you, but to accept it? I feel like you went on a bit of a pilgrimage. Yeah. I really did have to get to rock bottom mm. um, to crack open some of the scripts that I believed and had been taught to me by whatever powers that be um, before I was willing to question and look at things. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I worked at a Christian bookstore at the time as mm -hmm. well, just out of high school, and, um, and they had plenty of books in there on the subject, all from the, the one... Uh, stance, mm. and I'd read all them. Um, so there wasn't even, there wasn't really a safe space within that culture to even start to 
read or think or wrestle mm-hmm. with the issue. Um, and because I couldn't, didn't feel comfortable in church anymore either. I mean, I still went to some home groups. That was a bit easier. Um, um, yeah, I wasn't really, I didn't really fit in anywhere. I didn't, because obviously I st- still accepted that it wasn't something that I was allowed to embrace. So I didn't, I wasn't part of the gay community. Um, so yeah, you're right, I had a little pil- pilgrimage. I took myself off to <laughs> Tasmania for a while to do a bit of writing. And if you want to know the, the turning point mm, for me yeah. in my thinking. or um, So I had many a time and any LGBT person of faith will tell you that this is their common experience is that many a night you pray and plead and beg to God to change things and mm. you, you say and you tell God you, you're willing to do anything um, for God to take this part of who you are away from you because mm. clearly it's n- not working, not acceptable to people around you. And, um, and, and I got to that point where, I mean, I'd pray that many times and um, done all the things that you're supposed to do. Like mm. spoken to mentors and um, prayed with people and um, read the scriptures and there wasn't much in the scriptures but um, you know if this is what God wanted from me then I would accept mm. um, that God always has my best interest at heart. God, you know, values me and loves me and. Um, And even if that meant being a eunuch for the rest mm. of my life, which was all that really the church was offering, offering me, yeah. beyond um, doing what I know I couldn't do, which mm. is ruin some woman's life. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. Some wonderful women. There's lots of wonderful, lots of wonderful women, women in my around life. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I would be willing to do that for God because uh, God is love and there must be some greater purpose in what was happening to me, even though I couldn't, I didn't see myself as the person that I was, that gay people were portrayed by the church. And I didn't even see myself in the scripture in the few verses that I'd read. It seemed to be, you know, about a whole other kind of uh, type of person. Um, But anyway, there was a surrender. Mm. Um, And I felt at peace with the surrender of giving it to God and saying, well, I can't think about this anymore. I can't wrestle with the issue anymore because I've done all that. Um, and I went to bed, and the next day, I'm pretty sure it was the next day, uh, I went for a walk kind of outer burbs, almost countryside of where I was staying in Tasmania. <laughs> and this was back in 2004. Mm. Um, so not a very cosmopolitan politan part of the world now or definitely at that time and i just happened to pass a little secondhand book sale and i'm a big reader obviously being someone who loves to write and um i was about you know 20 feet away more from the from the table but i just saw this bright red book kind of stick out and for whatever reason that day Mm -hmm. i'll go over and see what's on the table and I have a look at that book and (laughs) I got close to it and it was a book on homophobia and I was like oh okay that's a weird coincidence Um, and it wasn't a book necessarily from a Christian perspective or anything like that it was an academic book um, by a professor but it had looked over history at the different ways that um, homophobia had uh expressed itself mm. in different societies and I just picked it up and I let it fall open randomly just to see what kind of uh, information was in there um, and it just happened to fall open at a double spread that talked about the way Christians modern Christians dealt with the issue mm. and on one side of the page it had the six verses that Christians from a traditional background, people who believe in a, a traditional interpretation whatever that means, mm. I mean, not polygamous, but, you know, one man, one woman, <laughs> Yeah. Um, how they interpret the few, 
few spots in scripture where they say it speaks directly to homosexual homosexuality and um mm. and then on the opposite page it had what some other denominations other maybe progressive christians or just other christians throughout history have said about homosexuality how they've interpreted the same verses and other verses understanding the bible from a, a sweep wow. like the arc of um how the bible treats minorities and um and this wasn't a, a Christian book at all. I was just looking at it. And I just looked at it, and it was like um, the last piece of a puzzle I didn't even know I was making, mm. uh, putting together, um, because I'd done all the wrestling and I'd done all the thinking about why I was so wrong and all the reasonings for what uh, conservative Christians and evangelicals and people told me uh, why God couldn't accept my orientation um, and then I could see that these other um, viewpoints were equally well thought out equally valid um, equally held by people of goodwill who loved God mm-hmm. and I just flipped the whole world would have my whole world that. in one mm-hmm. second I was like oh I'm on the other side of the fence now and there was a great sense of peace a, a weight lifting off my shoulders, um, and because you had someone to stand with, almost in a way. Yeah. Do you think, like, as apart from like it was probably a God spiritual moment for you? Yeah. Suddenly, you're seeing people like you. Yeah. Christ, of Christian faith. Yeah. Who are looking at the exact same scriptures, but yeah, are viewing it differently. But I felt yes, and I felt like I had to be taken out of my church bubble to get mm. there Ace, um, because nowhere in that church bubble were people was the church bubble confident enough in itself it felt like to allow other viewpoints mm. um, and I also kind of felt like that prayer that I prayed the night before was a prerequisite because yes there were people to stand with me but everyone I knew was still in the evangelical Pentecostal world. Mm. So I would be coming back from Tasmania to, hey, guys, I'm on the other side of the fence now. Mm. You know, <laughs> how do you like me now? Yeah. Which isn't me. If anyone knows me, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, and at the time I was on some pretty heavy antidepressants as mm. well. Um been trying a number of different antidepressants because um yes it was very hard, a very difficult time yeah. um but i had run out um like a day or two before and um that could have been a problem because my scripts for repeats were back in mm-hmm. melbourne um but actually i haven't been on antidepressants since mm. No regular um, need for those because there was a level that something had lifted off me that day. Um, and people did say to me later, a few people, how do you know it wasn't the devil leading you that day? <laughs> yeah. And all I could say to that is I know what my relationship with God is like. I know what it feels like yeah. to feel peace, a, a deep peace. Um, and we can quibble about scriptures and that's fine. But what I'd been given was a a right to uh, to wrestle with the scriptures in a different way, and to see that I did have a, a value in the identity that I already had. Mm. Um, but I kind of feel like that surrender the night before was a prerequisite. Yeah. Mm. to all of that so it didn't feel to me like this is all about me being gay and accepting it though that was the result of it it was like a deepening of my walk with god yeah it had actually taught me to trust god more and one of the side results of that was that Mm. god could show me a little bit more about how to embrace myself Mm, wow and how to stand up for myself sounds like god to me well i think so Mm. So, you know, you come back to Melbourne, maybe fast forward a bit, yes. if you don't mind. The happy gay warrior, ready to <laughs> take on anybody 
All those people who've been telling him who he was for the last 10, 20 years. Yes, so, watch out, Melbourne. How did that go? How did you... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so what was it like trying to find, I guess, a church faith community, trying to be a part of that? Yeah. What was some of the, what? How did you feel and what were some of the things you... How did you counter that? Mm, I felt very free, but the journey never ends. Like I said, you're mm. always coming out. Um, I completely understand, but I've met many, many, many Mm. LGBT people who are either closeted in the Christian community or are wrestling with not wanting that identity. And I never want to argue with them or push them or disagree with how they're feeling because even if you do uh, feel like you can embrace that part of who you are, it's a real battle, especially being mm. a Christian or someone of faith, to have to embrace your orientation and to feel the disapproval or just uh, inability of people to to deal with that part of who you are. They would much rather you go away, Mm. go to some summer camp (laughs) (laughs) where hopefully you'll meet a a lesbian who's wrestling with her identity. You'll both have some supernatural, you know. And look, there are people of (laughs) real goodwill who truly believe that this is something that God can change. They haven't often they haven't mm. really thought about it. Mm. And and um that's another difficult part is that there are people that you can look up to who have a strong faith, maybe church leaders, and people who do hear from God. But the way I look at it is that we all have blind spots in our faith. We all have a piece of the puzzle. Mm. And what I think the the LGBT issue is for the evangelical church is a a collective blind spot, mm. which they haven't dealt with the same way there was a collective blind spot about women's mm. uh, rights or slavery, mm. which, again, it was the church that was lagging behind often mm. Mm. with those issues. And some of the ways they started to read scripture, I feel, applies very similarly to the gay issue because you can read scripture one way or the other um, and you really have to have a relationship with God and listen to the Holy Spirit to understand text beyond mm. taking it out of context or, take, or having it say whatever you want it to mm. say mm. Um, and I think one of the conundrums that you've described is I guess coming from that more Pentecostal spirit, spiritual yep experiential kind of background and that being something where God has really even spoken to you and been with you on this journey, you know, where, you know, maybe you've had words or visions or, you know, just supernatural encounters with him. And I guess a lot of the churches that are more embracing are more, um, I guess, conservative, cerebral. One of those mainline churches. Yeah, yeah, in their theology. So I guess the struggle is to find a community that is both... I, you know, I guess spirit-led in some way yeah. and also embracing of who you are. Yes, they're out there. Mm. there. There's not many. So can you talk to maybe some of the community spaces that you have found that have worked? Yeah. Can I just say... It might not all be one. Again, about yeah. the spirit-filled kind of churches. My personal... This is only a theory, mm. but I think one of the reasons why um, evangelical Pentecostal kind of churches struggle with... Um, dealing with LGBT people is because in order to have that close relationship with the Spirit, they read the Bible, for example, which, I mean, we don't worship the Bible, we worship Jesus, mm. but they really hold closely to the Bible because the Bible's full of those kind of uh, visceral moments where heaven touched down and the Holy Spirit did things and God spoke to people and bushes burnt and mm. tongues of fire. And a lot of the more cerebral people um, from mainline churches have seen maybe some of the excesses of Pentecostalism and so they're a little bit more doubtful about some mm. of those scriptural claims. And so I think Pentecostal evangelical churches feel like they need to read things in the Bible literally because so many mm. things that happened in the Bible, you know, are things that are happening in their churches to this day. Mm. And so then when it comes to um, issues like women's place in the church... Or, uh, or gay people, mm. they're afraid to question scriptures or 
uh, read them from different angles because they feel like they'd be denying the witness of mm. the plain text in the scripture. Mm. Um, but God gave us a brain and a heart. And mm. I think, you know, um, denominations can learn a lot from each other. Yeah. You know. Um, and so, um, there. I, I mean, I tried out some denominations that I hadn't grown up in. Yeah, maybe listen, because even yep. if there are people out in Melbourne listening to this who might know someone who is, you know, gay, or they might be gay uh-huh. themselves, uh-huh. looking for some different com- somewhere, because, you know, you probably didn't know of any different places either. Like No, I mean, there's the Metropolitan Community Churches, and there is one in Melbourne, it's in Box Hill, and that... Uh, particular denomination was specifically set up to catch all those many LGBT people who were leaving mm. in their droves from organised religion because yep. of the way it had treated them. Um, so that has an affirming position, a uh, scriptural position. Um, a lot of the mainline Penny, uh, Catholic or um, Protestant churches are affirming. Mm-hmm. There's also a spirit-filled church in, uh, I think it's either Fitzroy or somewhere around there. Do you remember the name of it? With Becky Bauer is the oh, pastor. El- in Eltham or Reservoir? Melbourne Inclusive Church. Yeah, Melbourne Inclusive Church. That's a spirit-filled, uh, LGBT-friendly, affirming church. It's very hard to know whether a church is actually affirming or they're saying they're friendly, but then you walk in and you discover mm. actually they're well, friendly they're... in the way that they'll smile at you, but they're not actually... <laughs> accommodating or affirming of who you are they would like you to change they would like their smiles to change you you know (laughs) that's what i actually found Mm. because i did go back if you want to talk Mm. about that i did go back to the kind of church that i'd been used to Mm. because that's how i express my faith and i think there was this unspoken expectation amongst a lot of people that me being amongst them Mm. there they would uh Change. I would miraculously, yeah, miraculously, I would become straight by mm. being amongst them. So yeah. they didn't yeah. really know how to deal with you, especially the fact that you are someone that likes to be involved in community. You have leadership giftings, so what do they, you know, do with that? The arts is a very public thing in church life. Yeah, so it's considered a leadership role. That's in right. So churches, if they let you on the platform to, it's saying sing. something about their what they believe. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what about? Brave, brave, yes. Or uh, yeah, there was even freedom to be, but I think that's going through some changes at the moment. Mm-hmm. But also a group, brave that I'm part of. You probably better find them on Facebook. It's a private group, so you have to ask to join, just for the sake of members who haven't come out yet. But that's for uh, LGBTIQ people of faith who want somewhere where they can share and um, find community. Yep. So. Um, Brave. I mean, they can. If people want to get in contact with you, I'll give details as well. If they can't great. find it on Facebook, or yeah, on there. great. Yeah. So there's still a long way to go. Yes. In church and in finding places where people fit, but I think, yep. you know, hopefully there are more and more spaces like this where people can hear their own stories reflected, or someone they know, some family member, and I think. You know, more and more I speak to people who are not wanting their family members or friends to be ostracised from the church, but they're looking for where can they link them in, where is community for them. That's both spiritual and healthy and affirming. Mm. Mm. So, And, you know, as you would know, in my last few years at church, mm-hmm. I've met so many people who, are, who have come out or are in the process of coming out. Yeah. And, yeah, all of them are yeah, either leaving the church or... And, and But they still love God and they're oh, still yeah. trying to find where they fit so yeah there's a big um there's a bit of a hole there at the moment but hopefully that will start being filled well yeah and i think it's up to everybody to make that space to 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 make space i mean you can't expect uh, um the people who are feeling left out to make that space for themselves to elbow their way back into churches and Mm. Um, yeah and I think like for me that was one of the big things that I often heard is that well this is going to be an issue that splits the church and we need to think about those people who are more on the conservative side and I hear that but I also go you know what the people that are more on the conservative side haven't been 
say lampooned for their life, like haven't been, you know, like denigrated for their whole lives, struggled to find a place, been on the outside. You know, it's like, let's actually be there for those who need us. The yes. others will find their way. There are, I could say there are plenty of churches for people who want to find a safe place where gay yeah. people won't be acknowledged, let alone accepted and mm. affirmed. Um, I just look to Jesus. You know, like how did Jesus act? Who did Jesus hang around? You can talk about scriptures in the Old Testament and New Testament as much as you want, but all the ones that people point to that they think specifically talk about healthy same-sex relationships are either in the Old Testament or they're after the Gospels. Mm. And to me, I understand the Bible as pointing to Jesus. So everything in the Old Testament is saying, this isn't working, look towards the Gospels. This mm. guy, Jesus, has it, is going to come and show us you know, how to live in love with each other. And everywhere in the New Testament after the Gospels is people trying to work out in their own particular context, which we have to understand the context of the time. They're all pointing back to the Gospels, saying... Mm. We're Try. We need to be more like Jesus, you know. Yeah. We need to stay in touch with Jesus and watch how Jesus did things. Um, so, I've had lots of conversations with pastors of large evangelical Pentecostal churches, and you try to encourage them as much as you can. That this whole really uh, role is to. Be like Jesus, Mm. to shepherd like Jesus. Don't worry about, you know, you're not there to build an empire for yourself. You're not there to sustain something because it has no value if it's not looking like Jesus, if it doesn't look like love, Mm. if it's not embracing those that that Jesus would have embraced. And, you know, tax tax collectors these days aren't those people. But we are, gay people are. We're the people that the Pharisees of modern days don't want a bar of. Wish would go away and the issue would go away. Yeah. No offence. Yeah, no, no. But um, like you say, that's how you felt for a lot of your life. Yeah. So right now, obviously in Australia with the postal vote, you know, whatever ends up happening there at some point. Really, a lot of... A lot of what my life and I think a lot of LGBT people like me's life is is moving on and um, going higher rather than lower mm. and not worrying about what people say and how people treat us but trying to respect them for what they believe and moving on with their lives anyway. Yeah. Well, I think you've been amazing. I feel a lot more angry and defiant on your behalf mm. than sometimes what I've seen you be in situations um, I think you've been gracious and generous to in church life beyond what has been reciprocated at times. Oh, thank you. It's true. Um, you know, and I know that, like you say, there's a lot of people there that do support. Like when you wrote your blog, yep. suddenly people would, you know, yeah. comment, but a lot of people never talked to you face-to-face. No, and they, they, some people would message me privately. Um, uh I think often uh, people of younger generations, they would support me, but they don't know how to speak truth to power. So they're mm. very af- afraid of... And there's often a culture in those kind of churches of giving the leaders, you know... Respect. Real respect, um, as which is great. But, um, I mean, you and I have grown up behind the scenes of churches and we know that pastors... They have a gift and a role to play, but they're humans like everybody else. Mm. They've got blind spots like everybody else. They're not infallible like the Pope. No. (laughs) We're all priests. We're all in the priesthood. Um, I mean, I did get pushed back when I went back to um, the church that I had been going to, which wasn't our parents' church. And I'm I'm not saying I was going in there guns blazing, starting debates and arguments, but, I mean you could get pushback just from being in the room. I do remember, like, you'd sit in the congregation and you would see someone across the other end of the room glaring at you because they're one of those super stereotypes who had decided that you were the spawn of Satan come to tear the church apart. (laughs) You know? Um, But what you'd got more than that was um, an active 
passivity, mm. actively trying to not deal with, with the, the issue. issue. But it's not an issue, it's a person. So actively not trying to talk to you about that part of who you are. So if you can imagine mm. you and Jason go to church. Which I think is a form of abuse, like ignoring someone, it, like not, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it would get to the point where they'd be teasing you about girlfriends when you told them explicitly that you're gay. Oh, my goodness. But, so it's like if you went to church with Jason and Evie and because they didn't like the idea of heterosexuality, they would just turn their shoulder to Jason and only talk to you and look at you in the eyes mm. and not acknowledge that you had a daughter and a husband because mm. that didn't fit with their view of what God would like your life to be like. Mm. So that's what it felt like sometimes. But, for example, I remember... Um, it never doesn't hurt. Yeah. Just because it's in the, it's not in the past. <laughs> yeah. And people, I've, I've, it's funny. I've had people, really kind people from Christian um, groups and churches, say to me, "Oh, I'm really sorry if you're struggling with this whole debate that's going on in the public sphere at the moment." Mm. And I'm like, "This is my life every day. It doesn't have to be a public debate for me to know what people think of me and to mm. know what the churches have said about me. I mean, I, I was wow. going to the churches anyway. So if people think that talking about it is causing problems and we should all go back to not talking about it, mm. that, no, that's, that's not, that doesn't help. So you know that I went back to this uh, church that you and I were both a part of and um, I was very, I'd stayed away for about seven or eight years after I'd come out because I knew that it would be just by being there and not believing that I had something to be ashamed of about myself in this regard. Mm. Um, I did share a lot of the same beliefs still. I still believed in the gifts of the Spirit. I still believed in the sanctity of monogamous relationships, which should wait until marriage, even though I'm not allowed to get married at the moment. <laughs> I still believe in the spirit of marriage. Um, so all those things which made me feel more a part of that church community than I felt a part of a secular community. Mm. And this is one of the things that happens to LGBT Christians is they, have, they fall between the cracks of the gay community and the mm. church. And yeah. we have nowhere where we actually feel we can just be ourselves. We have pockets of people mm. who we can trust like yourself mm. in each community, but you actually don't feel like you have a community. Mm. Um, anyway, so I went back and I was very much not wanting to be a part of things because I knew each thing that I was a part of there would be a fight about it eventually mm. as much as people loved me and wanted me to be involved you could go this far but no further as it says in Job mm -hmm. um, and one of the first things I allowed myself to be vulnerable to do was go to a home group and um, I trusted at least the, the, the leaders of this group were my age. They had a LGBT relative, so, you know, it was... I'm like, they understood the issues. They themselves were wrestling with the issues. They were lovely people there, and they were really welcoming and warm to me, so I thought, great. I can... Um, it's safe in a small group where people know you mm. and they know that you're not out to... I don't know, whatever they think I'm trying to do there other than be part of a community and, and worship God with them. Mm. Um, and you know, yeah, and grow with them. Um, so I went to that. This is so. This is the first uh, home group meeting, and there was this couple. It was all couple, all young couples, and me. <laughs> um, so there was there was a small night. There was three young couples. Two of the couples knew me really well. Knew that I was gay. Were really warm and welcoming to me. Were across the LGBT. Christian thing mm. and there was one couple that I'd never met before and we were all chatting about what's been going on in our lives and this couple that I didn't know one of their relatives was struggling with um, an issue that um, seemed that people would see as not God's best they were doing something that was unhealthy for them unhealthy for the relationship they were in and someone said being is quite a spiro church, someone's spiro means super uh, spiritual. Super spiritual. S super spiritual. Um, someone said, "Oh, do you think there's some sort of um, generational curse in your family? Is that what's going on here? Is that why they're, you know, cheating on their spouse or whatever, whatever the issue was?" Um, 
and this person who didn't know me, the only this young couple, the only couple that didn't know that I was a gay Christian, um, they said, well, yeah, we do have a lesbian aunt in our family, so there may be some demonic um, possession rubbing off on this other person. Mm. Who's So I'm sitting there. Oh, my gosh, Joe, it's awful. And this, is, I don't, this was not a out-of-the-ordinary experience. No, and, no, and I've heard not, similar yeah. things to that as yeah. well. So I'm sitting there, oh, I've, it's, it's flicked in an instant mm. from you're a welcomed member of this home mm. group to you are demonically possessed yeah. and here to rub off on other Christians and yeah. turn them into people who are cheating on their husbands and mm. wives and, and no one said anything said anything no. and what was I supposed was I supposed to say wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you demon possession I'm out of here you know I'm not going to put up with this what was I supposed to do so I sat there I was waiting to see That's maybe awful. someone else would say well Maybe you don't believe that gay people are, you know, but they're not necessarily demon-possessed, are they? <laughs> no one said anything, and they let him... I'm laughing, but it's uh, awful. It was I'm both crying. funny and horrible. <laughs> Needless to say... Oh, you didn't go back? No, I went back. Flattened <laughs> <laughs> by punishment? Uh, yeah, obviously. Oh. But, um... I don't know how I got onto this that This is what muscle. I mean about being more gracious than... But you know what, also, the person who was saying this... Lovely guy. Yeah. And, you know, I chatted, I've chatted to him. I didn't chat to him about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, he did eventually find out I was gay mm. and, you know, he didn't try and Make <laughs> chase me down and oh. exercise me or anything. <laughs> um, but it's just there's this casual yeah. culture of, yeah. um, you know, saying things about people that you don't know which is what often happened from the platform as well, mm, and people oh, that you yeah. haven't walked with and you really don't know their lives. And along with that, a culture of we don't want to deal with this. It's more important to keep things peaceful. Peaceful, at, yes. At, at the expense of acting how Jesus would, you know, yeah, sometimes. No That's a bit judgmental defense. of me, but at the yeah. expense of, of well, being Jesus messy. Jesus stood and, between, you know, the woman caught in adultery and... And the Pharisees. And so yeah. I think there is an element of we need to protect people, we need to value people, we need to, even when it destroys the peace, sometimes challenge people's beliefs. Yeah. Again, so at least those people don't feel like they're alone. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. As I'm sure you did. Sorry, anyway, you were asking so something So I know, else. yes, that this is your life, regardless of the fact that it's now very much in the public eye with the yeah. poster vote in Australia. However, um, what do you think about the whole marriage equality thing and mm-hmm. and other LGBTQI people that you know? What mm-hmm. are people feeling about it? Do you think it's a step forward, a step back? Are you for it? I know there's a very maybe tiny minority of gay people that say they don't mm. want it. Mm-hmm. What's your yep. view and what have you heard from others? Well, that minority is a bit like what Julia Gillard was, where, where Julia Gillard was coming from when she was this quite left-wing Prime Minister and everybody thought, oh, goody, you know, we might have someone to stand up for us mm. um, oppressed lot, not just LGBT people. Mm. But um, she, it was, so it was kind of a surprise when she said at the time, well, I don't believe in same-sex marriage because she doesn't believe that marriage is important mm. necessarily for anybody mm. and she didn't want to see um, LGBT people define themselves by an institution that she felt often demeaned women, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. Mm. So she was coming from a very um, pre- uh, left-leaning very left. socialist mm. perspective. But people like Julia Gillard and the small minority of LGBT people who don't want gay marriage, that's fine. Mm. You're allowed to have that opinion. You don't have to get married. Yeah. But to want to make sure that other people like myself who believe in the sanctity of marriage... Mm. Who believe that the best place for intimacy and for building a life with someone is in an accountable institution that your friends and family can hold you accountable to, to say, well, let's make sure that they can't get it either, mm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good answer. So i got lots of good answers. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, so what do you hope will happen and what do you hope? Yep. Christians will do, I guess, in approaching... Well, it's been a long, hard road, (laughs) so I'm not holding out for anything, and I think people underestimate uh, the pulling power of... Trump. 
Well, yeah, well, the, the Brexit, the Trump effect yeah. of, oh, someone else will vote, yes, we don't have to. But also the pulling power of um, the Australian Christian churches sending around email chains saying, everybody, you have to vote on this, it's a matter of life or death, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and the no vote coming through. So I don't build my hopes and happiness on that anyway. I mean... I think it's important. I think it has practical implications for the way people treat LGBT people when they see that mm. they're only second-class citizens, according to the government. Mm. Um, but we're tough people. You are tough people. You know, my goodness. We um, we've cut our teeth on on bigger troubles than whether someone thinks we're worthy of marriage. Mm. Like you know, will our family still love us and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I certainly lost a lot of friends once yeah. I came out. Mm. Um, so, yes, of, of course, I believe in marriage and I believe that a marriage between people of the same sex is equally valid, not because we ought to have the same rights as everyone else, but actually because if you know two people in a loving same-sex relationship, it's about so much more than rights and... Mm. It's certainly not about a sex act. It's mm. about all the things that make a marriage, you know, the commitment, um, doing things together, um, being there for each other in hard times. And you know that we're same-sex. LGBT people are just as capable of being that to each other as mm. two heterosexual people are. And so, of course, yes, it's just as valid. Mm. Um, so, yes, I would like to see see it happen. Mm. Is that was that the question? Would yeah. you like to see it happen? Yeah. yeah. And what yeah. do you hope other Christians, I guess, in the whole debate and things that are going on, mm-hmm. will do or will see? Or mm-hmm. do you think it's going to shift the Christian church? No. Uh, really, I have hope that it will. That that getting marriage will shift what people think. I think believe. that having Everything this issue helps, in the spotlight yes, will. Yeah. Perhaps start go to out open. and make friends with your local friendly gay. Is my advice. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. To, How would one find one's yeah, local well, friendly gay? Uh, I don't know. Um, where around? Friendly gay in the village. Yep. Smile. Bring us cookies. <laughs> um, I think yes. Uh, knowing somebody, uh, relationship is what changes people really. Mm. Um, so there'll be plenty of. People who, I mean, just because America's got same-sex marriage doesn't mean there's not many people over there who don't believe in it and mm. would love to see it turn back in an instant mm. or whatever. So, um, what do I hope it will do? Yeah, it's more about. It's not about what it's going to do for the people who don't want it, mm. or it's about what it does for the people who need it and and want it and mm. the respect that it, it uh, conveys yeah. to them, even if you don't agree with it. And it is really, if we're going to talk about the politics, which I don't, I don't need to convince anybody to change their mind. I've never been that kind of person. I don't think that's helpful. Um, we need to respect people who have different beliefs and let them go on their own journey. Um, but I would say that this is about it's not about anything but do you want to to give full respect of other people's humanity to this group of people who are currently mm. not being afforded that it's not about um, it's not about what gets taught in schools this is not what we're being asked to vote yeah. about it's not about um, whether a bunch of angry gays that want to come charging into your Pentecostal sermon and saying, marry us, you know, <laughs> you have to now. <laughs> because just on a, on a political, simple law level, and you hear politicians say that that's what's going to happen. Mm. They're being disingenuous or they're really stupid yeah. because they know that the laws regarding those things are already in place. Mm. If they're not strong enough, you change yeah. those laws. Yeah, right. But you still respect people who are different to you. Mm. It's like saying, well, the Catholic Church doesn't believe in divorce. Mm. They teach at Catholic schools, True. divorce is bad. So, okay, 
make sure that the laws say in an educational setting or a church setting, you get to believe what you believe, you get mm. to teach that, but don't outlaw divorce yeah, for everybody right. else and force everybody <laughs> just for the sake of yourself. It's coming yeah. down to That's a great people thinking about themselves yeah. rather than being generous to people who That's a great thought. There. That's you know a great I mean? thought. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Well, we're probably at about time. I could continue talking forever. And we will, uh-huh. Uh-huh. even in heaven. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do just want to thank you so much for being so open and honest with me and with all of us. And right. for my part, I feel you know so sad that it took me so long to come to the table and be able to support you. And, uh, it take, and took me forever. So <laughs> yeah. So you know, my hope is that with this interview and other like things and things that you might see in the media lately that people will just be open-hearted and yeah be guided by the spirit of jesus Mm -hmm. uh, into love and that the conversation will open up and that we would love one another yes just love one another people Love, love you. Love, 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 love you. Love, love. Do I get paid now? See, <laughs> <laughs> See you, disruptors. Bye.